God, we are so thankful for your presence in this place and I'm so thankful for your Father's heart that is extended towards us, that demonstrates compassion and mercy, that, that draws us in, that, that welcomes us uh, home and into your presence. And we're just asking that today as we open up uh, your word, that it would impact uh, our, our souls deeply today, that it would impact our minds, our thinking, and uh, Lord, that we would leave this place uh, differently, just different than, than how we came in. We love you, God. Won't you lead us today? We pray in Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, good morning and welcome to church. So thankful that you're here today to, to worship God together in this place. I'm so grateful to be here today. My name is Travis, the lead pastor, and I, I love this family. Love being here. I love uh, being in it together in, in all that God has called us to. And I know that God has different callings on each one of you individually. And as we come together as the body of Christ, we have the opportunity to see how he coalesces the, the call of God to see great things uh, accomplished in, in his kingdom. And so I, I'm thankful for you being here. I am excited for all that God has in store for us as a church. And I um, want to share with you a couple of things. If, if you're here, uh, whether it's been a couple of weeks or a couple of years, and you're saying, I want to get uh, more involved in the life and the, the, of this church family, there's a couple things that I want to highlight to you so that you have a path uh, towards doing that. So the first is, as you may have noticed, there's a life group fair going on out in the lobby today, just some round tables that we have set up. On top of those round tables, you'll find signs with uh, life stage uh, uh, groups and sections that, that you can go and find the sign of the, the life stage that you're in and, and find a, a life group that you can be a part of. Our life groups are just small group communities that meet in homes throughout the different places in the valley. And actually, there's a big map on the wall so you can identify where those are and what one is maybe closer to where you live. But we really believe that those are, are central to the, the life and the ministry of this church. It's a place where we can experience depth in God, depth in community. And I would even say that the life that we feel here on a Sunday morning is, is in part due to, to the life that's happening in those groups and then coming together and celebrating all that God's doing uh, with one another. Also, there, there's something coming up called Household. So again, if it's your heart and desire to take a deeper step into community here, Household is a great next step. It's happening, uh, uh, it happens during our 9 a.m. service for, for two, uh, two weeks in a row. And, and so you can come to the 9 a.m. and then come worship here all together in, in the second service. But the first part of household is our welcome to the family where you have a chance to connect with others that are taking that step into deeper community and fellowship and making this their home church. And in that, you can you find out more about the history of the church, uh, the, the biblical values that we, we hold near and dear and that we believe in and what God has called us to in the future. Uh, and then the second week is called the heart of the house where you'll learn about kind of our, our core ministry values is what we call these. And it's just who we are as a people and how God has called us to walk out the mission uh, that's on his heart and how you can be a part of it. Because our, our goal is to, to, to say to you, what, how has God called you to bring him glory in this earth? And how can we support you in that, develop that? How can we love and serve the body and and those that, that live around us. And so uh, both of those things are incredible opportunities to take a step into community because God has not called us to walk this thing alone. He's called us to do it in community. Uh, he, we, we call it a, a family, and I know a lot of people call a lot of things family, and of course we have our nuclear family, but the church is the family of God. It is the household of God um, because we were made to, to walk out our faith in the context of community. And so we wanna invite you into that. And in fact, I think there are things in, in our world today that kind of fight against that. We're gonna continue in our series called Through the Noise. And there are a lot of voices all around us. And we are supposed to be more connected than any generation that has gone before us, any of the generations that have gone before. And yet while perhaps we are more connected in some ways, we're also more isolated in many ways than the generations that have gone before us. It's like a, a, the, the millions of people 
that live in, in deep loneliness, though they live in New York City. And there's people all around and there's a lot of voices, a lot of noise, a lot of hustle and bustle, but they feel all alone when it comes to depth of, of relationship, meaningful connection with others. And, and part of it is, is the noise and the distraction that, that is created all around us. And so we, we, need, we need one another. And, uh, and God is wanting to, to give us community in those ways. Last week, we talked about the invitation of God. And it was his invitation to abide with him, to re remain in him. It's, it's the process of learning how to walk through the, the minutia of our days, not the, the, the milestones of our lives, but the, the minutes and moments of our life and learning how to walk in his presence and be aware of what he's doing. And in the midst of all of the noise around us, one of the songs that we sang this morning referenced Psalm 23, a phrase in there that, that says, you, you invite me to this table in the presence of my enemies. It's, it's an interesting little phrase that God in, in, prepares this banquet for us and invites us to this table in the, in the midst of a, a battle. My enemies are all around me, and yet here I am. I'm going to sit down, and I'm going to dine, and I'm going to feast in his presence without fear, without worry, because he is here. And, and I believe that's kind of what God is inviting us into. The, the world around us is, is going to continue to be there. But how do we walk in his presence? How do we come and sit at, at, his, at his table experiencing him in the midst of those things? And, and so last week, again, we talked a lot about uh, the devices that surround us and the time that uh, is given on average to these devices and, and these screens and uh, all of this, this media and opinions and the voices, the, the noise. It gets a little scary when you, when you think about uh, the, you know, the, the phones that, that we have that are, are ever-present. We don't, we, don't, we don't like to leave them behind. We, we, we like them to be near us. And, and, and when, when it buzzes, we pay attention to it. It's like we're in tune with, with what it's saying, what it's drawing. It's, it's, it's calling us, right? You know, it's like, and, and then the, when we look at the screen and the screen is vying for our attention and our affection. And when you start talking about it that way, it's a little eerie, actually. It's a lot of the things that God asks, that wants from us in the abiding. Like, I, I want your affection. I want, I want your attention. I want to be ever present with you. to notice and to hear and to lean in and pay attention. And that's our, that's our desire. That's what we want to move to in the midst of, we want to come and sit at that table in the midst of the noise of this world. And today we're going to look not only at the noise and the distraction, but some of the negative impact that that has in our lives, in the life of our society. And so I want to look at a couple of verses that are going to be our, our key verses for today that, that are, that are going to, I hope, be tools for us, places that, that we can go back and kind of anchor uh, what it looks like for us to live in the midst of the noise of this day and, and to, to hold on to him in and through it. And the first one is out of uh, 1 Corinthians chapter, I'm sorry, it's 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 5, 2 Corinthians 10, 5. And it says this, we demolish arguments and every lofty thought that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. And we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. So Paul is writing the, these words and he's, he's writing a letter back to a group of people that he knows. It's, a, it's where he started a church. He planted a church in Corinth and he's, he's now moved on, but he's writing this letter back and caring for these people. And he's saying, when we come to you, uh, this is what we're going to do and this is what we expect of you to, to demolish arguments and strongholds, every lofty opinion that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. We come against those things. And so partly he's saying, we're going to come and we're going to have to do some of that when we come and visit you. And we're expecting you to do that. Secondly, he says, we, we take every thought captive and make it obedient to Christ. And so we're expecting you to, to walk that out. And so I want to look at those two parts of this verse before we move on. So the first one is we demolish arguments in every lofty thought that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. There's a very clear starting place here if we're going to be able to do that, to, to demolish arguments that set, it, that set themselves up against the knowledge of God. And, and it is this, we have to have a knowledge of God. We have to be aware 
of what the truth of his word says. Uh, some people have said that the, the, gener- the generations of today are, are the, the most illiterate uh, biblically in, in history. I hope that's not true, but let it be an impetus for us to say, we've got to be a people of his word. How are we to do things like set, our, set and demolish arguments that set itself up against the truth of God if we don't know God's truth? That's the first step, right? We've gotta be a people of the word of God. We've gotta ask God to give us a greater love for his word. We've gotta spend more time in his word. Perhaps maybe it's, it's becoming less and less of a, of a literate biblical culture because we're spending so much time with the other things that are vying for our attention and our time. And so we've gotta got be a people of the word. We've, this, this has to have greater influence in, in my life than all the other things that I'm reading and all of the other voices that are coming my way. And so I, I've got to be a people of the word. Again, back to community. None of us maybe will ever be experts at everything that's being shared in the word of God, but we also have others. As we have a biblical community that's saying, we, we all want to have a heart for God's word. We all wanna live by the truth of it. Then we're walking in community, able to speak into one another's lives when there are the, the inevitable blind spots that we will all have. And so we walk it out, the, the truth of God's word in, in the midst of community. And so we, we've got to have that if we're going to, to set ourselves up against the, if we're going to be able to demolish arguments that set themselves up against the knowledge of God. I think it's interesting, uh, the, the, the language, at least in, in the version that I have here, that we demolish arguments in every lofty thought. I was, I was, that stood out to me because there are a lot of lofty opinions out there. That is that a lot of people see their opinions as truth. Or they, that's how they're kind of pr- promoted. And, and so it's the, the lofty opinion of man that, that, can, that can really in, in, at times trip us up. And there's a couple of ways that that happens. And, you know, and there's probably everything in between, but I want to mention a couple that, that I think that we have to be aware of when it comes to demolishing the arguments and lofty thought of, of man that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. And the, the first is this, that in our world today, in our society, uh, there, there are uh, opinions that are, that are given and definitions that are, that are shared that, that come against what is, is true of God. And, and sometimes it's like, uh, okay, that, that's clearly the, the morality of, of what we see in the Bible is different than what's being promoted, but it's being promoted in the name of love. If, if you love then this is how you will respond to this issue. If you love, this is what you will think about this issue. If you love, then you better agree with what I say because what I'm saying is the most loving thing. The problem is that it, that is the lofty thought of man defining what love is when the Bible says that God himself is love. He is not just loving, he is love. And so what we find in here is the, the most loving thing that we will find. So when we stand on the truth of God's word, that is the most loving that we can be. When there's a, when there's a clarity to like, this, this is what God says. And this is what he says is true. And this is what he gives as a rule for life, not just because he wants to be in charge and in command and have a bunch of robots. No, because he is love. He created you and designed you for a love relationship. And, and so this is his heart for us. And so anything that I do in the name of love that is not in line with the truth of God's word is not actually love. It's not being loving. And so sometimes we need to, we need to, we need to have the, we have to have the truth of God's word because otherwise we'll get tripped up like, well, I, I, I at least know that God says we're supposed to be loving. So if they're saying this is what you have to do to be loving, then I guess I better do that. And that comes from a shallow understanding of the word of God, just like, oh, we're supposed to be loving. Well, there, there is a way that God loves. There, 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 is, a, there is a standard there, you know, and on and on. So, so we don't want to get tripped up in those ways with the, with the desire to be loving, but actually missing the heart of God in the midst of it. The other thing that we can sometimes get tripped up by is the voices that are proclaiming different truths or worldviews that, that actually, uh, at least in, in part, or maybe the majority, we're like, hey, I think I, think I kind of agree with that. That is a, a, a moral statement 
that lines up with a biblical value that I carry and that I see in scripture. And so we, we can kind of get on that train a little bit and sometimes not recognize the heart of arrogance, pride, anger, a lack of compassion that is accompanying that truth. And yet we hop on board and yet it's this kind of lofty thought of, and maybe the, the truth itself is something that we agree with, but the heart behind it is not the heart of God at all. And so it becomes in, in, in nature pharisaical. The, the Pharisees were the religious leaders of Jesus's time who knew the, the law, the word of God better than anybody else did. But Jesus confronted them uh, more harshly than anybody else by saying like, hey, you know all this and don't stop tithing, don't stop you know, honoring the Sabbath and all those things you're doing, but you're missing it because you're not loving people. So, so don't stop doing those things, but who cares if you're doing those things if you're not doing this? And so we've got to make sure that, that we're identifying the, the lofty thoughts that have some truth in terms of the value system or worldview, but do not carry the heart of God with them. And so that's the world that we live in. And maybe everything in between where we've got to demolish arguments in every lofty thought that sets itself up against the knowledge or the knowing of God. So it's the knowledge, it's the truth, but also this word very much has the connotation of the, the knowing. It's not just a list of I got to attain more knowledge. It has a more intimate meaning that, than just knowledge comes across in our English language. And it's the knowing of God. Yeah, I, I know, I know his, his, his deeds, I know what he does and what, it, what the right and the wrong, but I also know his ways and his heart behind it. And so we want to carry those things into this world. We've got to be equipped with the truth of the word of God and the heart of God to carry it into the world. The second part of this talks about uh, taking every thought captive and making it obedient to Christ. Uh, I about 12 or 13 years ago, had this experience with the Lord where he was just working some things in me and, uh, and, and speaking to me about some, some insecurities that I had. And, and specifically, it was just kind of this mantra. It's, you know, and some mantras you have in your mind and you don't even know that they're there. They're, they're like way back in the, in, the, in the back of your mind. And this, the mantra for me was, you're always going to be second best. You're always second best, kind of second rate. That you, you, you'll, th these people will be here, you'll be here, and, just, and, and I learned to be okay with that. And, and, and of course, there's truth in that. There's always going to be people that can do whatever you do better than you do, and you just have to be okay with that. That's just life. But this was this a deeper, deeper set mantra of just that I, I'm second tier. I've got, a, I've got a ceiling here that others don't have, and, and uh, I'm, I'm going to be okay with that. And I'll just, I'll, I'll, I'll try to be faithful with wh whatever I am able to do. And, and so again, I didn't walk around thinking about that. I didn't, I didn't mope about that. I, it, it wasn't at the, at the forefront of my mind, but it, it, was, it was there. It, there, there, was, there was something present and God identified it, it for me. And I didn't, even, I didn't even know that it was there. And um, I had uh, I've learned and heard about different, you know, techniques and prayer ministry and kind of walking with people through, through those kinds of things that have taken root that are just not, not true, not accurate. And what, what do you do? How can we walk through that? And one of the things that, uh, that you can do is say, okay, we know that God is always present. We know that, I know that God, let me, let me start this for sure. Like God, I skipped a part. <laughs> God, where, um, where, did this, where did this take root? Where, where, did this, where did this come from? What, why, why am I believing that? And so I was just asking God that. And I believe that, and that he immediately took me back to a memory, a memory that I didn't even know I had. I, I did, I, again, not something that I uh, had played out in my mind, but it was a memory in the back of my mind. He brought it back to me and then I could remember it just, just like it was yesterday, though it was 10 years plus before that. And I was in college and I had walked into one of the cafeterias on the campus of our college. And um, it was like a dinner time. There wasn't many people there. And so, but there was this one group of people that I went to sit with. And, uh, and this group of people where they were very well known, very popular, you know, very pretty, very handsome, very strong, just that, that group. Like, uh, and, uh, and I went and sat down with them. I, I kind of knew them, but uh, I went and sat down with them kind of on the end. And it was just kind of the classic, like, I, 
I don't feel like I belong here. I'm talking and nobody's like turning their back to me or, or telling me to leave or anything. But I just, I am, I'm certainly feeling I, I don't really belong here. Like the, these guys are in a, in a different category that, than I am. And uh, in terms of what, what they look like, you know, how well they're known, how, they, how people view them. And then there's me just kind of sitting down in the end, kind of trying to get a word in here or there. But, uh, and it was just like this, this insecurity welling. And I, and I was having this memory of even just thinking like, that's okay. Like, I, that's okay that they're, they're going to be, you know, the cool kids and I'll just be right here and I'm, I'm cool enough and it'll be fine. Or I, don't, I don't know what those thoughts were, but it was that, there's, there's, they're going to be better than you. You're going to be, you're going to be kind of second. There's going to be people that are better. And, and I remember that thought. Well, a part of kind of walking people through just like hearing God and where was God is the truth that God is always with us. And so to ask the question when, when, when God brings up a memory or, or something like that, where was God in the room? What, what was Jesus doing and what, what was he speaking? And, and so I, I just did that. I was like, okay, God, wow. Like, wh- where, where were you? What were you doing? And so I immediately see him seated there beside me. And then he gets up and he walks over to the door of the cafeteria and opens the door and then turns around and, and looks at me and says, come on. He says, there, there's, there's so much more that I want to show you and that I have prepared for you. And it was just, I, I very much knew what he was saying. Like, come with me. The, the, there, there's a world out here. And this little group of people and what you feel about them and all, you know, that's, that's inconsequential compared to everything that I've designed you for and purposed you for. And, um, and, and it just, and I, and I missed it. I, I, was, I was wrapped up in, in my own insecurity. I, I, I didn't see him. I was just sitting there. I didn't see him walk over the door. I didn't see, I was, I was too busy entertaining those, those thoughts of, okay, I, I'm not as good as these guys. I don't, I don't look like them. I, I can't talk like them and make people laugh like that. I just, uh, and so I'll be here. They could be there. And somehow that stuck. And then over the years when things would happen, when what I wanted to do didn't succeed or it kind of happened, but, didn't, but other people were doing it, it just, it added fuel to that. Like, oh yeah, see, it's going to be better. It could have been, if somebody else would have been leading it or, you know, and that just, it can pile up on you as you begin, you agree with those things rather than taking every thought captive. So we, we talked about being a people of the word. I also want to add to that, what does it look like to, to walk by the spirit where you're, you're aware of what he is doing, what the spirit of God is doing, how he's present in, in our lives. How different could that have been rather than having to deal with that 10 to 12 years later and letting that build up and, and accrue and be a part of what's in my, in my soul and holding me back from what God's wanting me to do and, and, and recognizing who he's called me to be, but rather if I could have in that moment taken every thought captive. And this feeling of, you know, inferiority comes and it's like, wait a second, Oh, I don't, I don't like that feeling, but that's, wait, that's not true. Like that literally is not true. I, I am not inferior. I'm not better than these people, but I'm not inferior to them in the way that God has made me and the calling. I might look different, might not be as funny or as tall or as strong or as, as, as well known, but, but I'm, not, I'm not inferior. Like I can take that thought captive. Like God has purposes for me. Like there, there's, there, and and I could be, and then that way you're then able to be more yourself. And maybe if I'm more aware, taking every thought captive, I'm like, hey, God, don't, don't let me fall into the, the trap of insecurity and inferiority. God, what are, you, what are you wanting to say? What are you wanting to do? And, you know, he shows me, he's like, actually, I've got a whole world I want to show you. I've got plans for you. And then I'm like, hey, guys, we'll see you later. Thanks for making me feel like a chump. I'm out of here. God's got bigger and better things for me. You know, like, um, like I'm just like, I obviously wouldn't say that. They weren't doing anything wrong. Just, just like... I've got, I, I'm getting up. Like, I don't need to sit here. Like, bless you guys. And, and God's got stuff for me. Like, and, and walking in this place of, of taking every thought captive in, in accordance uh, with, with the truth of Jesus, making it obedient to Christ. Okay? In college, 
I didn't have a phone except for the one plugged into the wall in, in my dorm room that you like hit the buttons and picked up the thing and could only walk you know, this far away from it. That's the only, that's the only phone I had. And, 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 I, and yet there was still this struggle of taking every thought captive and I'm walking into this situation. Now, today, multiply that by what? A thousand, two thousand, three thousand. Last week we saw that the average uh, uh, device user sees uh, upwards of six thousand ads per day if they're an average cell phone user. So all this, these ads, this noise, these voices—you need this. You don't look like this. I mean, think about um, think about Instagram, social media, whatever the things are of like uh, how many times in a day, how many times in an hour do we ha- do we have the opportunity to have a moment like I did in that cafeteria? Wow, look how many people like their post. Nobody likes me. Wow, look at that family. They, do, they get to experience all this stuff. I need to, why, why can't I get my life together? You know, wow, that, that person looks beautiful. Why, why, why was I made to look like this? You know, what, and, and on and on and on. After picture, after picture, after, you know, this and that. It just, it's, it's inundated us. And so if we're going to to, to really battle this because it is, it, is a, it is something that is incredibly important for us to address as the church because not, not only is it, is it very clear that this noise is surrounding us and inundating us and overwhelming people, but it is resulting in a, in a very clear increase of depression, of anxiety, of suicidality, of loneliness that, it, that is at, at epidemic proportions in our world today. There's all, kind of, uh, there, there's all kind of statistics and numbers that you can look at that are incredibly alarming. Uh, and you can look them up if you want. But overall, what I would say is that there is a consensus that, there is, that it, is, it is very alarming at the, the rate of increase of these things in our society, of these things in the younger generations. And, and a lot of people take that back to the beginning of, of social media in this place and this rampant comparison and expectations and having to look a certain way and say a certain thing. And, it, and it's tied into that. It's been even more so over the last two and a half years with what has been happening in, in the world around us that there's been even greater levels. Uh, so, some studies that came out in 2020-21, uh, we're, we're talking about over 20% of young adults uh, having uh, thoughts of suicide. That's, that's terrifying. It's incredibly alarming. And, and I know for us, it was like, we, we've, we've got to do, we've got to, we've got to call people together. And, and the, the, the statistics are, are alarming. And I want to say this. For those in this room, and there are many of those in this room that, that, that deal, that struggle with these things, that you are not alone. Two ways I mean that. You're not alone because there are others, as I just said, in this church body, many others that are dealing with some of the same things that you're dealing with. You're not alone. You're not the only one uh, dealing with those thoughts and those, those, those fears, uh, the, the, the isolation, Secondly, you're not alone because we are with you. We desire to be that. I mean, that's why we're always like promoting these things. It's not because I love giving advertisements for things. It's because I really believe that when you get into community, there's life there. And there's a place for you to be known and to know others and so that you truly are not alone. And it's a place in our life groups, we, we pray and hope that it's a place where there, it's a safe place to be vulnerable and, and we, we want to be with you. Not only that, but there are resources in this room of uh, trained professionals uh, all the way to, to lay counselors and, and prayer ministry teams that just want to get in your boat to say, we, we believe that there's freedom for you, that God is inviting you to a pathway to, of, of getting free from some of these things. And so we, we, we want you to know that you're not alone. But it's something we need to address and, and that we need to deal with because we, and two of the things are we've got to become a people of the word, the people of walking in the spirit, but also we've got to make space. The, the, the amount of voices, the, the amount of times that you can have my cafeteria experience, which for me, it was just like, I go to the cafeteria, then I'm, I'm I mean, you just, I just didn't have near the amount of opportunity to get slammed with that. And the, the multiplicative effect of those things is, is devastating for people. And so we've got to not, not only get back into his word, be a people that, that take every thought captive, but, but we also have to eliminate some of the thoughts that are coming our way because it's just not possible to take every thought captive when there's thousands of them hitting us in any given day. 
And so we've got to wage war on this and, and make, a, make a place, make a space for others to, to come in behind that because there are people that agree with that. They agree with all this in thought and in sentiment, but at the same time, it's hard, how do I get there? The moment I try, I feel like I'm back. And, and th- this is, it's, it's, a pro- it's a process, it's a journey that God invites us on. And I, I want to read one more passage of scripture here that I, that I feel like is, is significant. And um, it's out of Philippians chapter 4, verses 6 and 7. Philippians chapter 4, verse 6 and 7. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. So a guy named Paul is, is writing this to the, this, this church in, in Philippi, where he had planted a church. And he's writing this letter back to them. And, um, and he's, he's, he's saying this. And, and it's different, I think, as I was, as I was studying it this, this week, um, there's something that kind of, stood out to me in a way that I had interpreted this that was actually a little off. Because I, I would usually read it like this, like um, it, the, the first phrase, which says, do not be anxious about anything. I, I would, I've always thought about it like, you don't have to be anxious about anything. And that's not wrong per se. Like you don't have to be anxious about anything because God has made a way for you. It's just not what it says. It says, do not be anxious about anything. It is actually a command. I've always thought about it more of like, kind of what you were talking about earlier, like it's an invitation, like, you know, like, come, come in. Like, and in a way it is. I, I see God's heart a lot of just hey, inviting us in. It's a father's heart. I want to make and provide this space for you. But this is actually a command. Do not be anxious about anything. And so when we hear that, it actually is like, at first it, it kind of like, wait, that feels like, an impossible command. Does God not know the barrage of anxiety, anxious thoughts, the, the barrage of voices that, that we experience uh, on a day in and day out basis, how crippling uh, the, the effects of anxiety can be, how it can flood our mind and bring up every worst case scenario, take up every inch of our thinking and consume us the moment that we close our eyes or you know, it could bring restless nights and, and, you know, and on and on. Like, doesn't he know the, the frailty of, of my mind and our humanity? Do not be anxious about anything. How, how are we supposed to live that out? And the first encouragement comes in this way. When he says, do not be anxious about anything, when God gives any command, he gives it with the knowledge that it, we can walk in it. We can obey it. God is not a, a, a tyrannical dictator that just gives random commands that can never be upheld. You know, like expectations that, that we, can, we can never live up to. That's not who, who he is. And so when he gives a command, we know that there is grace for us to actually walk in that. Now, again, it may be a process. We may need help from others. We all need help at times. But we are encouraged by the fact that when God gives a command, that there is a grace for us to live in that place. And what he doesn't say is do not let any anxious thought ever come your way. Because there will absolutely be anxious thoughts that come all of our way. We will all uh, have to entertain and ha- have to do battle with. We'll, we'll, we'll have thoughts, even subconsciously, some that we're, we haven't even learned how to take captive yet, you know? And it's just coming through and hitting our brain and in and out uh, that, that lead to anxiety. And so what he's saying is don't let these anxious thoughts that are coming your way lead to a, 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 a root of anxiety. Don't let them make you anxious. Don't, don't live in that place. And that there is, a play, there, there is a way, a path, a bridge for you to actually experience peace. And that bridge, as it goes on here to say, is prayer. It's by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, Present your request to God. So we, we come to him. 
We bring our petitions, the things that we're struggling with. And, and one of the key little phrases here is, is just before the prayer and petition phase, which says, in every situation. In every situation, as you walk through life. So this is training, right? This is God saying, I, I want to train you to, st- to, to, to go from anxiety to peace. And there is a bridge, but there's going to be some training here. And, and it starts with and, and ends, I guess, with, with in every situation by prayer and petition. So learning in every situation, day by day, moment by moment, what does it look like me to bring it to God? How do I train my mind to do that? That, that's literally what it is. It is a, a decision to train your mind. I'm going, to, I'm going to take it to him. I'm not going to let this fester. I'm not going to let you know, worst case scenarios play themselves out in my mind. I'm going to say, no, taking it captive. And I'm going to take it to him. God, I give this to you. I, I feel uh, anxious about this. I feel like these thoughts are, are, are driving me towards anxiety. I just give it to you. Would you come? And there's a thanksgiving. I love it described. There's a thankfulness. And for me, that's like there's an expectation. I'm, I'm thankful for what you're already going to do. I'm, I'm thankful because I'm just, I'm, I'm just thankful that I get to be with you, that you've invited me to come and do this. And then there's something powerful too. It says, present your request to God. When I, when I read that, I picture uh, th- this kind of part, like I present my request to God. I, don't, I just always think, I, I, I picture it that way, where I come into his presence and I, and I present them. I get on my knees. And here's the truth and the power behind what's being spoken here. And, and that, that is this, that everything must bow in his presence. So when we're bringing these anxious thoughts by prayer and petition in and we're presenting them before him in his presence, they too must bow. They too must flee. They must too must submit to his authority. And so when we get in the practice of bringing things into his presence and presenting them before him and saying, God, I don't know what to do with this. I can't handle this. It's too much for me. It's overwhelming. I got to bring it to you. And I learn how to do that more and more frequently. Not just when I get to a, a boiling point or not just, uh, you know, this time or that time, but just frequently, day, day by day, moment by moment, there begins to be this, this, uh, this place of walking in his presence. I, I remain there. We begin to see the reality of taking every thought captive. And ultimately, it translates into the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, guarding your heart and your minds in Christ Jesus. Anxiety has a crippling effect, but what he is saying is you don't have to submit to its tyranny anymore because I have peace standing guard at the doors of your heart and your mind. Like literally it's, it's standing guard at, 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 the, at the, the door of your heart and your mind. And as you, as you pray, it, it redirects your attention from the all-consuming problem to the all-powerful God. It's just this transformation, the way you see it and, and the way you live it out. And these, the peace stands guard at the gates. And those thoughts, they keep coming. It's not like, okay. In fact, it reminds me of a story in, in 1 Kings where uh, the, the prophet Elijah uh, is it's part of his story. A very notable prophet. This book of 1 Kings in the Old Testament, the first section of the Bible before the New Testament, which starts with the life of Jesus. And it's specifically in a, in a group of books called the historical books where it's talking about the history of Israel, talking about the rise and fall of different uh, kings. And, uh, and it, alongside it has these prophets that were the messengers of God, appointed by God to give the, the word of God to his people. And Elijah was one of those prophets. And, and he was, in, in his day, one of the kings that he would often speak to uh, was, um, the, the king and queen was one of the, probably the most evil monarchs of the, the, the history of Israel. It was King Ahab and Queen Jezebel. And they were, they were wicked. They had, you know, destroyed the, the holy places of God, the places of worship. They had destroyed many of the prophets of God. Uh, uh, she would uh, daily have the, 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 the prophets of Asher or Baal uh, come into and dine with her, like hundreds of them to dine with her every day. And, uh, and they, were, they were wicked and evil. It was, it was a dark period in Israel's history. And Elijah uh, one day had this showdown 
with the prophets of Baal, who was the god of fertility, who was widely being worshipped in Israel at that time. And, uh, and the showdown was this, that there was an altar built for each of, 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 of the Lord God and then for Baal. And the one that would send fire to consume the offering would be the one that is real and that has power. And so the prophets of Baal spend from morning till evening uh, dancing and cutting and slashing themselves and yelling to, to Baal to, for him to consume the fire and nothing happens all throughout the day. And then they're so tired it becomes Elijah's turn and Elijah uh, has the, the, the altar covered with water so much so that the trench around the altar was filled with water. And then he says just a simple prayer saying, God, uh, let the people fear and return to you. Let them know that you are the all-powerful God. And, uh, and then fire from heaven falls and consumes the offering and all the people fall on their face worshiping God and do away with the Baal prophets. An incredible victory, right? Especially if you're Elijah, you're like, yeah, like that was a good day. Like 450 verses one and God showed up. It was awesome. It was amazing. He can do anything. He is all powerful no matter what I'm up against. And yet he shortly receives a message from Jezebel. Uh, because of what you did, your life is next. Your life is mine, basically. If, if you don't die within the next 24 hours, you know, that, that's on me is what she says. Well, fear all of a sudden consumes him. He runs, he runs for his life and he begins to entertain the thoughts in his head. And specifically, he was, it says that he was thinking, I am all alone. I'm all alone. There's no one else. It is only me. Then he begins to say, God, won't you just take my life? I might as well not even be living if this is what, it, what it's about, if I'm going to be hunted like this, if, if there's no one else, I can't, you know, and how quickly do we, it's kind of familiar, right? Here is Elijah, one of the most notable prophets of God in all of the Old Testament, who has this great victory in God and all this faith. And then the next moment he's like, God, take my life. I'm all alone. There's nobody else. Are you even with me? Can you even hear me? You know, like going down that path. And it isn't until he gets away a little bit and God has him by himself that God begins to speak to him. He says, hey, go up on this mountain. And on that mountain, he begins to speak to him. It says in a still, small voice. And he actually specifically and directly speaks to those voices, those lies that Isaiah was believing. And he says, actually, you're not alone. There's 7,000 others that I have reserved that have not bowed a knee to Baal. They've not worshiped him. Not only that, but there's two others that I'm giving to, for protection in your life. And there's another named Elisha that, I, that, that you're, you're to go to his home and he's going to be your apprentice and he's going to come and walk with you and eventually take over the ministry that I've given you. And so he speaks to the lies when he gets alone into this quiet place. But that's, there is a journey ahead. At one moment, you may feel victorious. At the next, you might feel the, 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 the attack of the enemy and the, the anxiety knocking at your door, the, 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 the depressive tendencies that we even felt there in, in, in Elijah. I'm all alone. Why am I even alive? Like, what does this even matter? Like, those kind of despondent that thoughts that can enter in so quickly in the midst of the journey. Isaiah 26.3 says, you keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on you because they trust in you. That's, that's our heart. That, that, that's, our, that's our aim right there is that we would have our mind stayed on him because it says that God keeps in perfect peace the mind who is stayed on him because they trust in you because they trust in you. There's a journey that, it, that is ahead of you. And some of you in this room, you struggle with some of these specific things that we're talking about, but you are not alone. You're not alone. And there is value in your life. You have worth. There's purposes and plans that God has for you. And the enemy loves to come and to steal joy. He loves to come and uh, to steal purpose. But God loves to speak it over us. And so we want to create space for him to do that. We want to take him up on that, that, that pathway of prayer. 
that literally is the bridge from anxiety into a peace that transcends even understanding. And that's where he's inviting us into. We're going to begin our response time a little differently today. And we're going to begin with just a time of receiving. Just receiving. Oftentimes, obviously, we're, we're wanting to sing out. And, um, but, but today, I, I want us to just receive. The, the, the worship team is going to sing a song of peace over us. And, and I feel like there is something that God wants to do in speaking directly to you. Not just hearing me, but actually in this moment, just God speaking peace over you. And so I, I want you to take a moment and just, um, why, don't, why don't we do this? Let's, let's all begin with standing. So just stand with me here for a second. And uh, oftentimes when I, when, I wanna, when I feel like God is giving me something, even as we're singing worship and I'm just, something's resonating with something, who he is, and he just wants to give me more of something like his peace, I just find myself like this, just kind of a receiving posture. If that's something you feel comfortable with, you can do that. But just getting yourself, posturing yourself just right now in a moment to, to receive. If it's easier to close your eyes, you can close your eyes so you're not distracted by something that's going on around you. If you want to sit back down, you can sit back down. And just like, I just, I just want to just fully receive. If you want to come up here to the front and get on your knees, we're going to continue with our response time um, more like we normally do in a moment. But you can, you can come on down here if you want. Um, but just to, to receive. God has things that he wants to, to give to you. There's places he's inviting you. And we just want to take a moment to just receive.
society bows in the presence of Jesus, the keeper of peace. Peace is a promise you keep. As we just sing of this peace of God, there is a place in his father's heart for you to come home. Just this, this beckoning of God, won't you come home, won't you come out from under the place, won't you come out of darkness into light, why don't you come and draw, draw near to me, his arms are, are open wide, they're open wide to you today, no matter where you are, no matter where you've come from, no matter what you feel like you've done or you're guilty of, he just comes and says, I, I want you to come home to me. And so if, if you're in a place where you need prayer today, maybe it's about something we talked about today or something else altogether, please don't hesitate to come forward. Our ministry team's gonna be up here at the front and we would love to pray for you. In fact, we've been praying all week that God would break off shackles of anxiety and, and depression, believing that God is wanting to set people free today wanted to set people on that, that process of healing and freedom. And so if you're struggling in that way, please don't hesitate to respond. Again, any other thing that you need prayer for, we'd love to pray for you. But God's arms are open wide. Maybe for somebody who doesn't even know him, hasn't had a relationship with him, that he's just saying, why don't you come home? Why don't you come home? I wanna show you the peace that is yours in, in knowing Jesus. And so let's respond to him before leaving this place as we sing along with the worship team.